This is Kay Massey, practice professor at the Wharton School. On this week's highlight show, we have a conversation with all four co-hosts and Sam Schwartzstein. Sam is a repeat guest, one of our favorite guests. He is Amazon Prime Video Thursday Night Football's analytics expert, and he's behind much of the innovation that Amazon is using on their Thursday night broadcast. Fun catching up with Sam on what they're doing Thursday nights and learning something about how to communicate analytics in general. He's really on the frontier of that. Here's our conversation with Sam Schwartzstein. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball here on SiriusXM. This is Cade Massey with the whole crew. Eric Bradlow from his Huntsman Hall office. Shane Jensen from the home office. Adi Weiner from his all-too-common office transport Somewhere, this case, a train to points north. Maddie Dat's floating around somewhere in the background. Glad you guys are with us. And we're delighted this week to welcome back to the show, Sam Schwartzstein. Sam is Prime Video's Thursday Night Football Analytics expert. He's been working closely with Prime Vision, Next Gen Stats. He's done this for now. This is the second season, I believe, been on the cutting edge of what is the cutting edge of broadcasting football. This, of course, after having helped launch the XFL and before that playing college football at Stanford. Before that, high school football at a prominent Texas high school, South Lake Carroll. We were just talking a little bit about that before we got in. But Sam, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back on. Favorite podcast. (laughs) Thanks, man. Hey, speaking of college football at Stanford, I just saw your – Twitter feed. I don't know how long it's been up there. I haven't noticed it before. Sam is findable on Twitter at Schwartzstein S, I believe, at Schwartzstein S. But he lists on, in, his, in, his, in his bio, Twitter bio, top-rated collegiate offensive lineman in, was it 2013 or 14? It was the 2013 iteration of NCAA football. All right. With a parenthetical grade 94. That's That's some credibility right there. Yeah, All I right. Mean, people at Tiburon uh, Studios, a uh, part of EA Sports, they really know they have their finger on the pulse of the at the time nameless, faceless, uh, <laughs> possibly name, image, likeness issue with right. uh, those ratings. But that the avatar that was me was the ninety four overall as the number one offensive line. <laughs> they can never take that away. That's right. Cling to it. Um, listen, man, we uh, we're always happy to catch up with you. We've been talking with you maybe annually for the last few years. And um, and then we were delighted to see some great press around an, an innovation you have in broadcasting football using machine learning. But it feels to me kind of like the killer app. You know, you're kind of you've got good stuff. You've got you know, you've got all this potential. And then all of a sudden, bam, you've got the killer app and everyone's paying attention. And all of a sudden, technology can really make a difference in the way the game is experienced real time. And it feels like this might be that. And I'm talking, of course, about the blitz identification package that y'all unveiled a couple of weeks ago can you tell us a little bit about what you think that means what's it what's the what has been the implication once that thing hit and what do you think it means for what comes next and we'd love to go backwards as well and hear about building it but first let's just talk about what how big a deal do you think it actually is well i think what you guys do and what prime vision does aligns and it's wanting to make smarter football fans and it's wanting to find new ways new ways to look at at the sports we love right now we're like thursday night football and football that way and last year we unveiled something called prime targets 
where we highlight a player with a green orb when they're uh, more than likely going to convert a first down. Not saying that there's other players who aren't open or you should always throw to that player, but hey, it's a good time to throw to that player. And there was like a rules-based heuristics model. And we kind of tested, hey, how can we provide this guided viewing experience uh, so people can watch during the play, know where to put their eyes before the camera just tracks the quarterback and you lose all the wide receivers. You don't see where they're going. But when you combine what we're doing on Prime Vision with Next Gen Stats, the all 22 camera angle, and then the player graphics, on-screen graphics that we're providing to give you that guided viewing experience so you can see everything, but then we're directing your eyes. Mm-hmm. What this offseason gave us the opportunity is to look at what we're using on the machine learning side um, with our team all around the world, identifying how do we make a guided viewing experience, but make it from a machine learning standpoint, not like the basic football rules of what we know, you know, prime targets is very much who has the most grass with ability to just convert a first down, but now it's machine learning and let the machine take over and identify from inputs what's a, a likely output and give it that whole process. And so throughout this off season, we're able to work with the team that's uniquely Amazonian that has engineers and machine learning capabilities to be able to process this information, but then focus on it, not from a problem solving on the team side or the league side, but from a viewer's experience side. So how do we recreate how I watch the game as an offensive line, as a center, as a, you know, my best friends, Andrew Luck, and how we watch the game, identifying the fronts of the defense, to identify who's going to blitz. We're now being able to use machine learning to recreate a lot of the same things we do and then see even more to give that viewer that experience that, that a person who has 20 plus years of football experience is able to watch the game. Now a viewer coming off the couch can see that same type of thing. Did you, did you, Shane's down to get him. Let me ask one follow-up and then we'll get to Shane. Did you ever anticipate, so the way this works for those who haven't seen it, they, the, 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 the TV is highlighting players that they anticipate blitzing as the guys are at the line of scrimmage, as the quarterback is making the call and the, and the highlights are kind of coming on and off as it reaches some threshold, according to the machine learning algorithm. And Sam has talked about this, about being surprised by some of the players like what's wrong with this, with this algorithm, but then being wrong, his judgment being wrong, the machine learning judgment being right. Did you ever imagine when you were building this thing or, or guiding the team that was building it, that, that it was going to be able to see blitzers that you, uh, uh, a, 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 an experienced college football player and follower wouldn't see that it would you know, go beyond your own expertise. And that that's been, what's so fascinating is, we don't have, we're using the uh, RFID tracking chips. So it's XY coordinate data, right? And, you know, I was using the first thing we started out was a heuristics rules model called Beat Sammy, which was I know that uh, there's a certain amount of eligible wide receivers. If it's trips over here, they need to have at least three people defending those people. Like if it's two, that guy can't blitz. So let's look at the other side of the field, the safety rotation, if the safety's down. There's all those rules that we had. And the machine learning model, the engineers like just, just send us who blitzes and then we'll be able to figure out this out. Right. Yeah, right. And, and the, the conversations were more about how do we focus on which players are uniquely blitzing versus how do we not just juice up our numbers to where, you know, if you predict that Dexter Lawrence is going to rush every play, he rushes 99% of the plays that actually will not influence the model. So the conversation about how do we actually influence the, the categories of who, who fits what modeling, what was so interesting is they're able to predict uh, zone blitzes probably better than I can just from TV copy. If I was playing center on the field, I could see a guy might have a light hand, but that's been probably the biggest innovation so far is, you know, I'm looking at the numbers and I go, there's two over, over three, this guy can't rush. Mm-hmm. But then 
there's a they, they're able to spot a dropper even with xy only xy coordinated without hose data and so that's right. been one of the more interesting processes is they're able to see some of the stuff that you should really only see when you, you're playing the, on the line, but they're able to see a lot of this unique stuff. And that's where I'm mostly wrong is, oh, there's a dropper here or there that I couldn't predict from the high up. Can, can you say, and, and Shane, I'm sorry, I just got to do one more follow-up on this. Can you say just a touch more about that? Like, how are they doing that? So I let me decode, I think, what you just said. You said if you're at, over the ball at center, if you see a guy with a light hand, meaning he's He's in a three-point stance, but he's not committed to coming forward. You, you think he's going to drop. Then you might be more suspicious of a of two DBs over three receivers because one of those guys might come in, the other guy's going to drop out. You're saying, okay, you can see that if you're on the line of scrimmage. How do you, How is it that the algorithm is seeing something like that? How are they identifying droppers, as you say, off the line of scrimmage into places that you wouldn't expect? So I think – I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say they're identifying droppers. They're identifying the capability that someone can rush in that scenario. Right. And so I, I'm looking, I'm trying to process okay. it. And okay. from the machine learning standpoint, like we don't identify droppers, right. I think I, I spoke a little bit there, but what, from the machine learning standpoint, and I want to go a little bit more technical for your audience is they're identifying guys who can blitz, right. That, that the quarterback on the offensive line should be worried about. And in the okay. scenarios where they're picking out a player to blitz that I'm wrong on as a, as a viewer, Yep. It's because the model is able to pick up some sort of inference that, hey, this guy is going to drop. And that and- model, that, that's not just based on spatial, like the kind of spatial like configuration, what's happening, like as the snap's happening. That's also based on background information on the particular personnel involved and stuff like that, right? It's that wasn't my question, pers- by the way. It was based on personnel, but not that specific. It's trained on the entire NFL. Gotcha. So I'm not going to go like that, that. And that actually dovetails a lot with the question I originally had, which was um, um, what you, you know, I saw one of the kind of interesting things I saw with watching the telecast is you had some really interesting stuff like, you know, Chris Godman's like performance and when he's a slot versus wide receiver. I was wondering how much of that is, you know, kind of something a machine like an algorithm has said like oh it turns out like i i searched all the data and this is like a particularly big performance tri- difference across all the players or is that more something that you know somebody who knows football like yourself knew ahead of time well i know chris godwin plays in these two different kind of configurations i'm going to kind of you know make sure that's something part of the telecast as opposed to something that was almost like empirically generated yep what makes uh prime vision great is we have a great team that's we're on the production side. So we start on Fridays watching the film for our upcoming game. And then we're looking at what the likelihood or not like what the uh, players and what makes that team identity. So I start every game with the identity check and say, what makes this team unique with Chris Godwin played a ton of slot when it was Brady and Mike Evans on the same side. So they worked the two man game a lot. So we looked at what were they doing this year? So uh, Alex Strands, our, our coordinated producer, we have Josh Friedenberg, Scott Carpin, Akeem Boyd, Matt Diamond, Bettina Shore, all these people are working together to identify which uh, are the key takeaways that we need to find from an analytics perspective to tell that story. So not just, it's not automated that we're putting this stuff up. And then our next gen stats team, Keegan and Mike Band and Chase, everyone, they're filling us also with data, both both pregame and then real time. Adi, jump in here. Adi's dialing in from a train, but I think we can get him. Yeah, I can. I, I'm really fascinated by the discussion, and I love the app. But as a statistician, I'm always curious to know whether or not it's been tested in a way that's 
uh, shows you, I, I guess, analytically that it works, or is it just very anecdotally, you kind of like it, it makes sense, sometimes misses, sometimes doesn't? Do you have anything that's more concrete that, that tells us it really does a good job? So what what is unique about us is we build a TV product first. And so um, there are probably different, I'm, I can't go into our exact precision and recall numbers, but if the model fits what uh, I would do as an offensive lineman, it, it then it works for us right now. We'll do more research on it from a from a stats perspective on like disguise blitzes and things like that. I know that we're good on the down and distances that matter from when I trained uh, uh, playing. But one of the more unique things is we're we're also able to identify certain situations that you couldn't identify blitzes before. Different, hey, because we're doing everything pre snap. We don't know if it's a pass or a run. So there's different ways that you can see a team calling a, a blitz on a run. Now we don't track those stats right now, but. Those are things that you're able to see when a, there's a called run blitz. If you're watching two players light up and there's a run blitz, you can see that. And we've seen really cool plays where offensive lines are taking advantage of identifying the run blitz and then getting big gains off of that and vice versa. Uh, we saw there was a clip from the athletic that they posted, Ted Wynn, where a corner blitz triggered and we were able to show that and it stopped a run. So there are some cool things that blitzes were typically a pass um, metric before. And now we're able to see it on runs, which no one else has that that metric. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's it's a little bit unique. But the audience, and then I I showed this to my legion of nerds, football nerds. Well, you know, Andrew Luck, Jeff Schwartz, Nate Tice, uh, uh, Andrew Phillips, uh, David Shaw, my community of, of football people. Hey, would you would you make these same kind of predictions, these same kind of calls? So does that align with what we're doing? So it's vetted not just by me, but by a collection of football experts that this was their job was identifying potential blitzers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, Sam, uh, it's really one question with two parts. One has the precision and recall of this um, improved over time. Like, have you noticed, like, what is it? Is it a learning mechanism by which as you get more data, it's predictions are improving. And secondly, what kind of data are you building this on? Like, could you build it on video data? Could you build it on, could experts, maybe this is part Shane's question too, could experts put something into this model? Like, so that's kind of a two-part question, but really the same question. What's going to make this algorithm better? And are you noticing it getting better? Yeah, we're, we're always committed to making it better. Um, there's tons of different things. You've mentioned a lot of the different things about getting it better. Since we started, it's gotten a lot better, right? Um, I think a big breakthrough was being able to identify that Vaughn Miller plays outside linebacker and there are people who play off the ball as outside linebacker as well, right? The four, three, three, four hybrid defenses changes how we identify being able to train the model in unique ways. So that was, that was a big step. Um, I think there's definitely, definitely areas we want to go. I can't give everything away. Uh, you know, my product, I would go crazy over that. He still may go crazy over this, but uh, uh, we, we have a, a ton of stuff that we're willing to add on to this. And this, I think that's what makes uh, Amazon so uniquely positioned to be able to do things like this is this is what Amazon does best is integrating technology to the, to the cu end customer experience. So there's a lot of stuff that we're excited about a lot of stuff that we're wanting to do. Um, this is just the beginning. Sam, listening to you talk, it strikes me that you're very much in the television production business. You yourself are part of these teams whose job it is to put on this, this production and it's, and it's doing great, right? And the numbers, these streaming numbers you guys are getting is, is are fantastic. Um, but what is it? What have you learned over your time in that role about communicating analytics? Um, about the about the di dialectic between entertainment and education. You always say we're here to make people smarter. 
but it, but you have to keep them educated in, in order for in order for them to be interested in getting smarter, right? So in, as analysts and educators ourselves, we're always interested in this question: how what how can we be more effective in communicating analytics? What have you learned on that question over the last two years? Uh, I think earning trust is so important, and and you do it in different ways. Uh, the first one was how do I make uh, my coworkers smarter in scenarios, right? How do I make Richard Sherman and Andrew Whitworth and Ryan Fitzpatrick, how do I help them in those scenarios? Al Michaels, if there's something funky going on with the spread. Al and I, can we talk about, can he, he asks me, what, what is, what do you think is happening here? Right. And so there's different things that you can do to gain trust that way. Defensive alerts has been a huge value add. Hold on real quickly, Sam. I, what, I, what you jumped to without saying it explicitly was, and I've heard, we've heard this from other people in television production. You, you got to have the front line forward, the the, the customer facing Purdue, the guys in the booth on your side or else nothing's going to go anywhere. And you just named a bunch of guys who are either doing the broadcast or they're doing the halftime discussion or whatever. And you're saying, I got to earn their trust because they are essentially our mouthpiece in talking about these things. Super interesting. Okay. So I'm sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that's the end all be all is this is football at the end of the day. Right. And I think as you've if you've seen the production change from last year to this year, we're trying to even base Prime Vision more football first. Uh, uh, there's also a goal of every metric that you should see or every every player headshot on Prime Vision will have success rate. I personally like EPA per dropback or EPA per play more. I think it tells a more fluent story, but trying to get my audience to or the, the you know, the non hardcore football fan or the hard analytics fan to see fractional points that throws people off a little bit. So success rate has been mine where it's like, this is what I want to see next year on the main broadcast after completion percentage, there should always be success rate after there should always be, we call it the fourth M four should always be success rate. And then at least we're giving there, Hey, that's that early thing. And it was very funny. There's still people were talking as a team. They're like, well, what's a good success rate? I go, any, I, I thought it was intuitive. Anything greater than fifty percent, you should be excited about because more often than not, you help your team. But I was going to say moving to success rate is more kind of trying to calibrate towards something people inherently understand. Like I think EPA per play is obviously a little bit more informative, but people don't really they don't know how to norm that relative to what a good versus bad. You know, we we don't know, I guess, enough as fans about the distribution of that value. So if you were to right. provide that, you'd have to kind of talk about a percentile or something like that of it or something in, in addition. And, and we do rankings on our broadcast. Cause you know, even though percentiles are probably a more uh, informative way of doing things, rankings, you know, they're saying that we compare everyone against each other. That's what talking heads do. And so rankings have been a, a baseline for everything we show. We show an analytic, where does this rank in 32 teams? Where does this rank in qualified quarterbacks? Just so that, that people who may not know that number, we're now telling you that, but then it always has to come back to football. And so when we're talking about uh, what we found success in some of the hits I've done is if we're able to bring this back to football, we're not talking, here's a big number, here's a small number. That's when people have been able to latch onto it and say, oh, this was insightful versus if it's just a number and like, this is how I'm seeing the game. I'm going to follow the numbers here. Not everyone does that. And so if you can relate it back to football, whether it's, you know, the tush push, we were ahead of it early talking about that technique and all that stuff, but it was analytics that drove them to go for it on more fourth downs. It was even ownership saying, go for it on more fourth downs here because I have analytics that tell me. And then the coaches had to go design a play. So there's all these different mm-hmm. things. That, as we can be more informative that way, it helps It helps get the audience to buy into what we're doing. Back to Adi on the train to New York. God. 
Uh, yeah, I'm really interested in your play success metric. And I guess the response I have is, um, I don't, do people really understand 50% or 25? Because I think you have to be, you're typically successful less than that. And remember, you have four chances. So it's very hard to figure that out. And if second comment has to do with rankings, one of the things about rankings is that they jump all over the place and there could be a two and four and five and the difference between, say, 14 and 20 might be immaterial. And that can also be very confusing. So uh, I just want to get, hear your response on how you kind of make sense of all, all that. Yeah, I think I think with with rankings, at least there's, even though they jump around, there's some sort of static part of it. Everyone, if you're watching the NFL, you more than likely know there's 32 teams, so you know near the top four, you're in that that highest echelon. Bottom four, and then at 16, you know. So at some capacity, there's a, there's a knowledge base there versus 99th per first. I don't know if the average football fan's going to know that right off the top of their head, right? And we're dealing with you know Thursday night football uh, crowd, so. I think that that's that's one there, and then you're right. I I was probably assuming more so that everyone would assume that fifty percent is where over fifty percent is where you'd want to be on success rate because that means you're helping your team more often. That even if you knew nothing, you'd want to have an over fifty percent success rate just based off that stat, successful stat. So, it, and, I, it, and I think the success rate also. I mean, it's you know it, it helps for relative comparisons, real like much better even like than like like you need two two different. Two different plays having like a 0.01 EPA difference. We probably could figure that out, but it's easier to think about like, oh, this is, you know, going for kicking a field goal from this down and distance is 56%. Going for it on fourth down is 72%. Oh, he just dropped back into shotgun. Now that's down to 30% or whatever type of thing. So I think, you know, that's really where I think probability kind of like if you're on the screen, like I think it's all about relative comparisons where you could, yeah, again, base down baseline certain strategic in-game decisions relative to kind of what historically the other side would have done, like kicking a field goal versus going forward or something. Right. And, and, you know, the NGS definition for success rate is, did you have a positive EPA play or not? So we're really nesting EPA within success Mm -hmm. rate. The traditional success rate metric, right, from the hitting game of football is 50% on first down, 70% second down, 100% third and fourth down. So, you know, we and then NGS has their time-based EPA, a little bit different than some other place other other metrics so we're able to like where that's how we're focused on doing it and i'll be honest the first time i presented successor on television last year i used the original definition to make it under more understandable uh and the guys at ngs were like you know it's not the real definition for what you're showing and i was like i know no just let's let's spoon feed a little bit before i'm gonna hit them over the head next year with success right every every time i can I, I love this conversation in general. There's something, there's something, there is something quite general about it. And it is that one, we have to communicate in the language that our audience understands. We have to try, we have to do the translation form. We have to do that work essentially. So in both of these cases, you're talking about, I think they're much more schematic for this scale. So I'm going to use that scale instead of this other one. The other thing is in all these cases, we think we're giving them information that's a little bit compromised. It's not as good as we could do, but it's going to matter more because it's in their language. And so they'll actually use it. So it'll actually mean something. They'll pay attention to it. So we're willing to degrade the information a little bit if it actually increases the take up. And that's a, that's a very general theme. And it's, it's hard for analysts to, to, to make those compromises sometimes, but you're, but those, those who like yourself, Sam are on the front lines, whose job it is to get this stuff across, realize the more effective ways to do it and the trade-offs that are worth making. 
And super, Kate, super interesting. Kate, you put it perfectly. We have a mantra from Steve Hurt, who helps on the analytics uh, side for the main broadcast. He's one of the early people. He he helped devise running runners in scoring position. And when he talked about history of creating that stat, he said, I know it's not the perfect stat, but it really helps people understand how pitching and batting is taking place at different parts of the game. It's not perfect. So his mantra was 90% purity, 100% understanding. And so that's how we go into this is, you know, look, I know it's not going to be the success rate. Isn't the perfect, isn't, isn't the best metric to understand how much team guys helping his team versus another metric EPA, but it's not, I get 90% of the understanding there or 90% of the purity. Here's a hundred percent understanding. They get that. Oh, did you help her team? Yes or no there. It's, right. it, it aligns with what we already see in completion percentage stacked right next to it. There are two percentages that can go up to a hundred. Right. Right. Terrific. All right, man. Well, listen, uh, rather than badger you with what's next, tell us what's coming next, because that's what we're curious about. We know you can't speak about that stuff. We will just tune in on Thursday nights to find out. But we wish you the best with all that you're doing, Sam. We love that you, the work that you're doing. Thanks so much. And thanks. Uh, a few of you guys were able to do our off-season survey. So expect another one coming out uh, at the end of the year as well. We're here for it, man. Sam Schwarzstein, Prime Video's TNF analytics expert. He is one of the main drivers behind what they're doing with Prime Vision and Next Gen Stats and a frequent guest here on Wharton Moneyball. That's been the whole show, guys, for the whole crew here. Eric Bradlow, Adi Weiner, Shane Jensen. This has been Cade Massey on behalf of Matty Dats, the boss man, Dion Simpkins, the associate boss man. Appreciate y'all listening. Come back and join us next time. Between now and then, enjoy your sports. <laughs>